series. We've been in a series in the last couple of weeks, a series called I Do, as we've been talking about uh, marriage and relationships. And uh, I, I've said this every week that the principles that we're talking about throughout this series actually apply to every relationship in your life. So what I'm going to talk about today, this is one for sure that it can apply to every relationship in your life. Uh, but this is unashamedly a marriage series, unashamedly a marriage series. And why is that? Well, a couple reasons. Marriage is a big deal. Like, and it actually can have a huge impact in your life, in communities, in your home. It has a huge impact. I was reading this past week that there's studies that, that prove that happily married couples can actually live longer, healthier, and more fulfilled lives. But I also read a statistic that said this, couples who live in an unhappy or toxic marriage can increase their chances of getting sick by 35% and decrease their life expectancy by four to eight years. So this is a big deal. Your life literally depends on this, okay? For some of you, like, this is something we got to work at. We got to lean into. And so uh, this morning, we're actually going to look at what I would consider as an interesting aspect of relationships and of marriage. And uh, even the hard relationships. You think about it just for a moment. Think of some of the hard relationships. Some people in your life, they may be, oh, they're a challenge. They're difficult. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's somebody else. You think about those relationships. Even those relationships can help you. There's actually something that you can receive from there. Literally every relationship in your life is trying to give you a gift, trying to show you something. The question is, will we receive what the relationships in our life are telling us? That's what we're going to dig in today. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 22. And as you're turning there, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our text together. We say it every week, nothing sacred about standing. It's our tradition to say, God... We care what you have to say more than anything else. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I ask you to put your hands over your heart today because I want, I want us to pray over our hearts. Father, we pray today that we would receive this word. This is one that we don't want to listen to. God, we'd rather point a finger. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts to hear from you today. And God, that it wouldn't just impact one relationship, but it could impact every relationship in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, you can be seated. You can be seated. Well, this morning... Um, I mean, we're going to talk about marriage, but because I said this is a broader uh, topic, uh, when you hear the word marriage this morning, you can replace it with the word relationships as well, because what we're talking about literally can apply to all of your relationships. And I, I would say this, that marriage, we said this back in week number one, marriage is a gift of God. It's a gift from God. He created marriage. This was his idea. He is a relational God. He cares about us, the intimacy that we have with one another. This is something that matters to him. But hear this. We all know this. Marriage is hard work. And all the married people said, amen, right? It's just hard work, okay? Everything that's valuable takes work. 
Like everything. If there's anything that's important, it takes work. You want to have a nice house? You're going to have to work. You're going to have to take care of that thing. You want to have a nice car? It might start out nice, but if you want it to stay nice, you're going to have to do some work in that car, right? You're like, oh, let's have kids. Kids are work. If you want those kids, they're going to take some effort from you. If you want to build a business, you're going to grow a nice business. I know we got a ton of business owners in this church. You want to do this. You know this. It takes work. And if you want to have a healthy marriage, it takes work. You can have a bad marriage, it takes no work at all. Like just wake up and do whatever you want, you can have a rough, unhealthy marriage. But if you want to have a healthy marriage, it takes work. And I'll say this, some of you wish you had a stronger marriage. You wish, like that would be so amazing, but you are literally doing nothing to pursue a healthy marriage. Like wouldn't it be great if we just, everything was better? You're not doing nothing. Like, it just is. You're existing in your marriage, doing nothing to actually strengthen, not coming against any of the difficulties or the problems or the things in your own life, not dealing with those things. And I'm going to talk just for a moment. I want to talk to the men in the room, the husbands in the room, okay? Listen, men, we can be guilty of this, right? The marriage is so important, and we do nothing to pursue a healthy marriage. You sit and complain about your spouse, you complain about what's going on, but you don't do anything to pursue a healthy relationship, to pursue a healthy marriage. It is our privilege as the men in our homes to lead the way, not to wait for our wives to be the one that, that say, hey, hey, honey, let's work on something. No, we need to be the one stepping up. We need to be the one that has courage. The enemy wants to keep you with your tail between your legs. He wants to make you think you're not good enough. You should not be leading your home. You shouldn't be trying to pursue health. No, he wants you to stay where you are. And when you stay where you are, he wins. Okay, but the call of us as men to say, can we step up? Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Do you want to always? No, but there are too many husbands in our world that sit around and play video games and watch TV and hang out with the boys and don't do anything to pursue a healthy marriage and healthy relationship. And if we're going to be the men that God has called us to be, we have to be willing to step into the uncomfortable sometimes to humble ourselves and say, I'm willing to do the hard work here. Because hear this, passivity kills relationships passivity kills if we're passive if we just take it as it comes just whatever comes that's how it's going to be listen it kills your relationships and there are so many relationships that could be stronger if we simply would step up and say i'm done playing around here i'm going to do something about this okay don't let the enemy destroy your home don't let the enemy destroy your family we say it all the time. The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He brings division. That's what he does. And we see it all over our world, don't you? You see marriages, division. You see homes divided. You see kids that are experiencing just horrible things. Why? Because there's so much dysfunction because there's not a unity at the top. And we have to be those who say, enemy, you're not going to win anymore. You're not taking my family out. You're not taking my marriage out. I'm going to do whatever. To, if it means I got to humble myself and get on my knees before you and before my spouse, I will do it to pursue health in my home. Okay? That was sermon number one. That's not what I'm talking about today. Let's get to the second sermon, okay? We're going to actually start today uh, with a big so what, and I, I pulled a good one in first service, okay, because we always end with a big so what, and so without even thinking about it, I told the piano player, come out when I say the big so what, 
which this week is at the beginning of my message, and I start, I, I start talking, and all of a sudden the, the keys started playing, and I'm like, oh no, so I had to like stop her and kick her off the stage. <laughs> Love you, Damaris, you're amazing. Okay. I felt so bad for her. <laughs> but we're going to start with a big so what, and there's still plenty of message after that, okay, so don't get too excited, okay? We're starting with a big so what. Big so what this morning is a principle we need to get a hold of. Marriage is a mirror. Marriage is is a mirror. And I would say this, relationships are a mirror. They are, okay? Now, some of you will relate to, to this. When I was younger, I didn't mind looking in the mirror. <laughs> like when I would look at it, like, no big deal. Why? Here's a picture of me when I was young. This is, this is me and Amber when we were dating. This is like back dating life, okay? Back when I would see myself in the mirror, Amber's so beautiful. When I would look at myself in the mirror, like, I had no wrinkles. My skin was young. And look at that thick, full hair, ladies and gentlemen. Just like, <laughs> look at that hair. So thick. Look at those sideburns I had rocking down there. How cool is that? So good. Like, I just wish. I just. So now, now when I look in a mirror, I don't like looking in the mirror as much as I used to. Because <laughs> when I look in the mirror, what do I say? I'm like, whoa, who's the old guy in the mirror? And like, I got wrinkles forming up here. And they say men's noses never stop growing, and this is some evidence right here of that. And like, and, and like hair, like there's just not as much hair up there anymore. Like when I go get a haircut, um, they always have the thinning shears. I always say, could you pull out the thickening shears? And she hasn't been able to find the thickening shears yet to fill my hair up. But like, I, I don't like to look as much, because here's what happens with mirrors. You know this about mirrors. Uh, mirrors don't tell us what we want to hear. They tell us how things really are. You don't go to a mirror and say, hey, make me look strong and amazing. No, no, no. You look in a mirror, you get what it is. Like, here it is. This is what things are like right now. And that's what marriage is like. <laughs> marriage is a mirror. The relationships in your life are a mirror. And if we will pay attention to what it's showing us, we can learn a lot. And we have the potential to grow the question is, are we going to receive what it's showing us? You see, our closest relationships are often where the most pressure shows up in our lives. It's the most pressure, and it's applied in our lives in some way. You know, think about it. It's, it's your relationship, like your relationship with your parents. There can be pressure there at times. It's maybe relationship with in-laws. There can be pressure there. Relationship with your siblings where there can be pressure there. You grew up and it was like, oh, this is where the tensions happen. Maybe it's with your kids or maybe with your grown-up kids. You're, in a, you're older now and your kids are older and there can be tension there sometimes. Or maybe it's in your marriage. It's with that coworker that you work with every day. It's those types of relationships where the most pressure ends up showing up. But there's something that is true of pressure. It exposes weaknesses and flaws. When the pressure comes in, some stuff starts showing up. I've used this example before, and it's just one of my favorite illustrations or examples to help you understand this. When they have a different machinery sometimes and machines and things like that that they want to test, they'll do what's called a pressure test. Do that sometimes with a tire as well, where you pressure test something. What happens? You, you pump it full of air or something like that, and you just pump the pressure up, pump the pressure up, pump the pressure up. You want to test this thing. Where, pump, 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 pressure, 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 pressure. And, and sometimes what will happen is a little leak forms. And the question you have to ask is, what caused the leak? And the temptation that we all have to say, well, the pressure caused the leak, right? The pressure is what caused the problem. No, the pressure exposed the flaw 
that was already there. It just took a little pressure for it to show up. See, and, and that's what relationships look like. There are times in our marriages, there are times in other relationships when stuff comes out of us, right? You say things you don't want to say, you're thinking things you don't want to think, you're responding, you're acting in certain ways. And, and in those moments, the temptation is to play the blame game, to play the blame game. They make me do this. They make me so mad. They make me so frustrated. They cause me to say this. It's their problem. We like to play the blame game. We don't let the mirror say anything about us. We want to just say, forget this thing. I ain't looking in the mirror. This is their problem. They're the ones that caused this. We just point the finger and play the blame game. It's their issue, their flaws, their problem, not mine. But see, here's the problem when we do that is that we actually put ourselves into prison in that moment. Because there is something being revealed in us, like this pressure is actually showing a flaw in us, but when we refuse to look at that and instead deflect and point at their problems, we are just entrenching ourselves in whatever dysfunction is already showing up in our lives. Whatever weakness, whatever thing is coming out that isn't good, nope, I'm going to stay in my dysfunction, and instead I want to blame them for whatever the problems are. See, we put ourselves in chains. But not only do we focus on their flaws a lot of times, we don't just focus on their flaws, but we can also tend to focus on our own strengths. So when we do that, we always win in our minds, right? You're getting an argument, you're like, well, they do that, and I would never do something like that. I can't believe they do something like this. I can't believe they said this because I would never say something like this. We're right, they're wrong. And I'll just tell you this, if you constantly win the argument in your mind, you're probably losing the relationship. <laughs> like if you're always winning, you're always right. As someone who likes to be right, trust me, when you are right, quite often you are wrong. <laughs> okay? You are only hurting the relationship. And so, so there's something that I think, there's another option for us to play. Rather than turning the mirror away, rather than trying to play the blame game and point the finger at our spouse and, and deflect everything that I'm, rather than doing that, there's a better option. Rather than ignoring the mirror, the challenge is, what if we actually paid attention to what the mirror is telling us? What if we actually gave space to learn something as we look into the mirror, into the relationships in our life? Last week, I talked about the fact that you can't control your spouse, right? And everybody said amen, right? You can't control your spouse, Okay, I said you can't con even fully control the marriage, can you? You don't get to because you only play a par partial role in that thing. But the same thing is true. You can't control your parents. You can't control your boss. You can't control your, your coworkers. You can't control that neighbor that drives you crazy. You don't get to control them. The only thing you have control over is you. So in our relationships, what if we focus more on what is being revealed in us rather than focusing on what is frustrating us about them. See, what if we, we changed our attention? What if instead of pointing the finger, we looked in the mirror? Now, I will just be honest about this. This is really, 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 really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to do that. It's not instinctive. Like the instinctive thing is blame game. Think back to the garden. First time somebody does something, what is Adam 
God comes, what, what are you doing? Adam's like, she did it. <laughs> her problem. She did it. I didn't do nothing. Not my problem. Right? It's her. No, that was your problem, buddy. Look in the mirror. Okay? And we, we do the same thing in our relationship. Constantly. We want to deflect. We don't want to take ownership of the issues. We'd rather find somebody else to blame. Right? Because if we have to look at ourselves, it might mean something has to change. It might mean we have to do some things. And as I said at the beginning, we don't want to do anything. I'd rather deflect and just carry on with my life as it is. But if we're going to have healthy marriages, if we're going to have healthy relationships, it demands something of us. It's going to take some work. It's going to require us to pick up a mirror and say, okay, I will take whatever this is reflecting at me, and I will receive it, and I'll do something with it. Right? And so we get to the passage that we looked at earlier in Galatians, and I think it has something to say when it comes to this idea. So context of the passage that we just read, uh, Paul is writing this book, and, and he's contrasting the acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And what he's saying is, we've been set free. As followers of Christ, when we submit our lives to Christ, we have been set free. We are no longer bound by sin, bound by our flesh, bound by the old way. Instead, we have the choice to be able to walk in the spirit, to follow him. Rather than living by the ways of this world, we can live submitted to Jesus. That's the invitation. That's what we've had made available to us. And so you look at the passage. You get to verse number 19. And it says, these are the acts of the flesh. Now, I want to pause for a second. I'm going to read this. If you're looking at your Bibles... Um, when you read this list, it's going to be really easy to just gloss over this list. But I want you to pay attention for a second, okay? So it says that the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now here's the problem. He ends with orgies. So when you hear orgies, you're like, this list has nothing to do with me, okay? Because my hope is that most of you are not involved in orgies right now, okay? If you are, the altars will be open later on, okay? All right, but it's easy when you get to the orgies like, ah, this list ain't about me. Let's back up again a little bit and see what are the acts of the flesh. Okay, we've got impurity. Any out there deal with hatred sometimes? Jealousy? Ever have fits of rage? Or suddenly you're just getting angry? Stuff's coming out of you that's unhealthy, selfish ambition, envy. I don't know about you, but some of that stuff shows up in my life at times. The acts of the flesh show up in me sometimes. And he's saying that's, that's the stuff that, that needs to die. We, we need to turn away from that. You've been set free to something way better than that stuff. Like you don't want that stuff in your life. No, I got something better for you. So the invitation is, would you be filled with the Spirit? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, that, a couple words for that, long-suffering or patience. Those are other words that get used for forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All this good stuff. He's saying this is the fruit. You can, you can get yourself involved in the acts of the flesh, living over here, or you can be filled with the Spirit and walk that way. And this is the fruit that will naturally flow out of your life. And the challenge for us as believers is to stay rooted in Christ, that we would continue to be filled, and that the result is this fruit coming out of us. So I want to ask a question, and uh, this is a question that, I'm going to be honest, is going to be uncomfortable for all of us if you actually let yourself ask the question, okay? You might be tempted to ignore this question, uh, because I think most of us in this room would say, 
I'm here to follow Jesus. I don't think most people walk in these doors with a desire like, I, I think I want to pursue this Jesus thing. I want to follow Jesus. If that's true of you, then I want you to ask this question. Are the fruits of the Spirit evident in your marriage and in your home? Are the fruits of the Spirit evident in your marriage? In your, I'm not talking about like when you're in like spiritual moment. I'm not talking like on Sunday morning when you're, you're just worshiping Jesus. I'm talking about like, you know, like Tuesday night when like everything in the day has been horrible. You know, when you've gone through a rough week or you've been having busy stuff going on or something happens and, and the pressure of life's coming in. Is, is the fruit of the Spirit showing up in your life, in your marriage? You think like, is there love? Is there joy? Is your home, like if there, there was somebody was like just starting to describe what your home sounds like as a, as a general, does your home sound like it's filled with peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control? Is that the evidence of what you're experiencing in your marriage? Like is that what's coming out of your relationships like that? I know what some of you are thinking, like, okay, if you only knew what my spouse was like, <laughs> you would understand why there's not peace in my house, Right? Some of you want to say that. There's others of you who are like, well, Greg, I, yes, yes, I have issues with some of these things, but my spouse is way worse at them than I am. Like, I'm at least beating them, you know? I'm winning, right? How's that work out for you, you know? And it might be true that your spouse is, is worse than you are, as you might be thinking, but remember, marriage is a mirror. It will reveal things to you if you can stop blaming long enough to pay attention. Because it doesn't matter where your spouse is at on this journey. That's their journey to run because you can't control and change your spouse. But you can control you. So the question is, will I, will I pause long enough blaming and allow, allow this marriage, this relationship to speak to me, to reveal something to me? See, the pressure of marriage will expose things in you, but will you actually deal with it? Our, marriage would be, our marriages, I think, at large would be significantly stronger if we took responsibility to, for the things that we can actually control in our marriages. Some of you don't, you're, you're like, all I do is point the finger. All I do is care about what their deficiency is rather than dealing with my own stuff, okay? Uh, you ever heard of what a crucible is? Anybody know what a crucible is? Crucibles are what they'll use to purify gold and silver and things like that. They turn the pressure, the, the temperature gets turned up way high, super high. And then what happens is the impurities get removed from it. And I would say this, that marriage has the potential, notice I said the word potential, the potential to be a crucible for refining our hearts. But we have to allow it. Because if we don't allow it, if we just get frustrated, it turns into bitterness in our heart rather than a purer heart. But marriage has the potential. Those closest relationships in your life actually can be a part of purifying you and transforming your life because they will speak things to you that no other relationship can. Now you might say, okay, well, how do we do this? What does this look like? Well, the, we just said this, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. How does a branch get fruit? How does a branch get fruit? It flexes really hard. And an apple pops out. That's how it does it. No. It's a branch. The only way fruit shows up is the branch stays connected to the vine. When the branch is connected to the vine, fruit is natural. 
It is the thing that you don't have to work at it. It naturally flows out of one. And this is what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit isn't like, I'm going to be kinder. I'm going to be more gentle. Like, that doesn't work, okay? Like, and that's suffocating. In a spiritual world, that's suffocating. To say, oh, I'm, like, I'm going to try hard. That's the law. Like, I'm just going to beat myself and try to be a better person. Guess what? The good news of the gospel is that Christ will do work in you. He'll actually transform you. But you have to be connected to the vine. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15, where he said this. He said, I am the vine. I'm the Jesus, I am the vine. You are the branches. If, big word, if. You remain in me and I in you. You will, promise, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'll say this. If good fruit isn't coming out of you, you have to ask the question, am I remaining in the vine? Because he goes on and says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And for some of us, that's where we are today. We feel empty. We feel dry. We've been looking for everybody else to fill our tanks up, right? We've been getting just rough and relationships are coarse and harsh because we haven't been allowing ourselves to be filled, right? We've been struggling to be filled. And the result is we're withering. <laughs> our relationships are suffering in the process. So the challenge is can we remain in Jesus? See, when we remain in him, he can do what we can never do for ourselves. You're like, what does that look like? What does it look like? Okay, well, let's put up the list of fruit of the spirit here. So this is the stuff that was listed. So you're like, well, oh, man, I just, I don't have, I don't feel loving. Like, I'm struggling to love my spouse, okay? You want to be filled with love? Spend time with God and receive his love. Receive his goodness, the, who he is, his love for you. When you receive that, now you have something to actually give because you're not running on empty. Because a lot of us are running on empty. We're just trying, we're trying to go through our, our relationships feel stale and dry because we're, we're giving nothing to each other. We're both dry. You want joy? You want to be filled with joy? It isn't like, oh, I'm going to be joyful. No, no. It's like, hey, when you recognize who God is, that he can be your foundation in every circumstance, he can actually fill you with a joy that isn't grounded in your circumstances or in this world. You need peace in your life? Guess what? You bring your things to the Lord, as it says in Philippians chapter 4. You bring your request to God. And guess what? He sets up an armed guard around your heart, protecting you and giving you supernatural peace. Like, you need any of this stuff, this fruit, you want to see this become evidence in your life, we have to actually be connected to the vine. He will fill us with patience that doesn't make sense. He'll fill us with kindness, gentleness. He will give us the power to overcome, the spiritual power to overcome and to have self-control in the areas that maybe in the flesh aren't natural to us. But it's going to require us to stay connected to the vine. Right? Every one of us. We can't force the fruit out of our lives. We have to stay connected to Christ. And if you're not, if you're saying, you know what, I'm not seeing this all showing up. There's some of this that isn't showing up. Well, guess what it means? It means there's still some transformation that God wants to do in your heart. He's still not done with you. And the good news is you don't have to come to him with condemnation like, oh, woe is me. I'm a horrible human being. No, I get to come and say, God, would you forgive me? You can forgive me of my past. And God, you give me a new opportunity to step into health. In this relationship. Last week I talked about the fact that we're, uh, we're called to die to ourselves, right? To die to ourselves in some way. And uh, 
And that's a really, really high call. But if that message last week was here, to this week's message is a little bit more foundational even. Because it's impossible to say, I'm going to die to myself when you're empty already. But if you are willing to say, God, I'm, I'm being filled by you. Like, you're my foundation. You're my rock. Right? I'm getting filled up with you. Now I have the ability to actually die to myself. I have the ability to actually surrender my rights. Because I'm not looking to my spouse to be my source. I'm looking to Christ to be my source. I'll tell you this. Every, I, I messed this one up this week. Okay? Why? Because I was looking at me for a moment. And that, that's, that's where I always get into trouble. When it's all about me, then I got issues. But when I can actually say, Christ, I need you. You're my source. Well, then I can actually live out the love that we're called to. This past week, I was having lunch with a guy here in the church. What's up, Chris? And uh, they, he asked me the question, well, so what's the, what's the like, most best uh, marriage advice you'd give me? What's the best marriage advice you'd give me? And, and for me, it's different than marriage advice I would give to non-believers. You know, I might give a practical thing to a non-believer. But if you're a follower of Christ, I think the best advice that I can give you is this. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Why? Because when you stay close to Jesus, I trust the conviction of the Spirit in my life. Like, I trust that the Holy Spirit can actually lead me in the areas where I go off. Because how many of you know we all mess up times? We all get off course. We're all, like, it's like we got blinders on, too. We don't even see the times that we've messed up. We don't see always the times where we've hurt somebody. It's not clear to us. But, but when you stay close to Jesus, his spirit can actually bring conviction in the areas that you didn't even notice. There have been times when I've been doing my own devotions, not even praying about my marriage, and God will bring conviction in my heart about something I did or something I said or something I didn't do in the past. And he'll, and, and like, okay, like my, my desire to be selflessly serve my spouse doesn't come just because I'm a great guy who wants to try and selflessly serve my spouse. It comes because when I come to Jesus, I hear the call of the gospel over and over and over again to die to myself. And, and the result is if I'll actually heed what he's telling me, then it will produce health in my relationships. And it's not just true in my relationship with Amber. It's in my relationships with everybody else. Can I actually live that way? I don't. I fail all the time. I make mistakes all the time. But the good news is that God invites me back to say, all right, let's try this again. Here we go. I'm going to give you grace for today. Your mercies are new every morning. You know, which is good because remember I say this all the time, you might kill a day. Like there's the day when you are the greatest husband or the greatest wife of all time. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to go to bed, you're going to wake up, and then you're going to want to crawl back on the throne of your own life and do it on your own again. And every day we say, God, I want to die to myself. I need to be filled with you. I want to remain in Christ so that I have something of value to give to my spouse. The best gift I can give to my spouse is that I stay close to Christ. Because that's what produces the healthiest version of me, right? So there's some of you here this morning, and your marriage is awful. I know it. There's some of you that are faking it right now, just faking that everything's perfect all the time, and, and it's not, okay? All right. Well, maybe you've been trying to do it on E. You've been trying to just, like, you're empty, and you're just trying to make things better. Or maybe, like I mentioned earlier, things are bad, and you're just doing nothing about it. Holy Spirit would say, come to me. Would you come to me? Give me an opportunity to do a work in your heart, to 
do something new in your heart to fill you up so that you can have something to give to those around you. Some of you have a coworker and they just suck the life out of you all the time. And you're going trying to be Jesus to that person, but you're not starting by getting filled by Christ. And it just eats away at you. Christ is saying, hey, let me fill you so you have something to give to those around you. Every one of us need that. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me across the room. We're just gonna take a moment to respond. Worship team is gonna come out and in a moment they're gonna lead us in a, a song we sang earlier, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But I know for a moment, maybe you, I had I to have this moment today of repentance of some stuff. Maybe you need to have a moment of repentance. Maybe there's some things as we talked about, you said, you know, Lord, there's some stuff that's been coming out of me. There's been stuff that, some fruit that has not been healthy that I need to, I need to ask forgiveness of. I need to repent of some of those things. I keep trying to, to ignore the mirror, but God, there's some things that this mirror has been trying to tell me that I've been ignoring. And so God, would you, would you forgive me of those things? I want to repent of that. And then Lord, would you fill me with your spirit again? Like I've been running on E and I need to be filled. I need a fresh infilling. It says, it doesn't just say get filled with the spirit once. It says be filled and continue to be filled. God, you need to fill me again today, fresh in a new God that I have everything that I need to live out the life you're calling me to. And that's the gift. I want to pray over us. Father, I pray in the next few moments that you would speak to us. God, that this would be an altar moment for every single one of us as we encounter you, as we worship you. God, as we invite you to have your way inside of us, Lord. God, would you do that in us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this out.
person who feels like today, man, uh, I've, I've messed this one up. God, I pray instead of being stuck in condemnation and trapped in condemnation, God, I pray that they would step out in freedom in Christ today, because that's what you made available to us, Lord. You've offered us new life. God, I pray we take hold of that. Lord, I pray our relationships this week would look different, because we're not looking for other people to try and fill our tanks, but we're coming to you to get filled up, Lord. God, we're remaining in you, remaining in the vine, remaining in your uh, in your word, remaining in, in prayer and connected to you, Christ. And would you do that in our hearts today, Lord? I pray that our homes and our marriages would look different this week, that we would take active steps this week, not passive, but active steps to see a change in our homes, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to I give a challenge to us uh, before we head out the door this morning. It's a two-part challenge this week, and it's this. Start your morning with Jesus, step one. Let's remain in the vine. Start your morning with Jesus this week. But then second is look in the mirror. Throughout the day, your encounters with other people will tell you something. They'll tell me something if we'll listen to it. So let's look in the mirror throughout the week. And if something is showing up that we're not happy about, rather than immediately saying it's your fault, I can't believe you made me do this, can we say, Holy Spirit, what do you need to do in my life? Is there something I need to surrender? Is there somewhere you still need to work in my heart? Let's allow the Holy Spirit to, to move in us this week through that. Amen. What about our prayer team forward? Uh, they're here to minister to you. If you've got something going on you need somebody to pray with you, please come forward. Allow them to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great week, guys. We love you. We'll see you back next Sunday.